0: Well, first I want to say it's an honor to be able to teach here this morning. Um, as I said, we grew up, you know, uh, our part of our story as a couple is very linked to Alpine Church and uh, to be able to share the pulpit of other men who I respect, honor, who are mentors uh, to me and my wife uh, is such an honor. So uh, the other day I was looking, reading this article, I don't know if you've come across it before, but by Forbes, the most powerful people in the world's list. Has anyone ever seen that before? Yeah. So it's really interesting. This list is dominated by people like normally political leaders, Putin, Trump, Jinping, uh, leaders in Europe normally. Then it often has people like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, other people who are rich in, in company and product leaders. And then there's cultural and religious leaders, right? The Pope is on there and other people who, like when they do something new, the world notices and they kind of all follow, Right? And here I'm reading this list in 2020, right? Year of COVID, and no one on that list had the power to do anything against this, right? I don't know how the virus has affected you and your family. For our church of just 20 people, we have multiple people who have lost loved ones just in a church of 20. And so it's a very real uh, situation for us there in Europe in such a big populated area. And so I'm looking over this list, you know, here at the end of the year, approaching Christmas, and I'm thinking, Man, a lot of that power would be really nice, I'm not going to lie, but if I'm being honest, like most of the time, I just want the power to just get through Christmas, right? I just want to get through 2020, right? I mean, yesterday, we had a scare. My wife took our youngest one-year-old, Lillian, to Oregon to visit her dad, who's very much at risk, health problems, heart problems, diabetes, things like that, and in the middle of the night, her first night, she starts vomiting like crazy and has a huge fever, And so I'm thinking, Lord, I just want the power for my daughter to survive and not kill my father-in-law, right, if I'm being honest. Praise God it wasn't COVID. It was some other thing that happened during the flight, you know. If I'm being honest, like, I just want the power to, like, deal with our finances, right? I don't know if anyone else can identify with that, to deal with difficult relationships, Maybe it's something out where, I don't know what it is for you, if you're being honest, what is that area maybe right now in your life or here in 2020 that you would say, man, I feel very powerless in this area, right? Maybe for some of us, we would say it's my marriage, right? It's the relationship with my kids. I feel powerless as I, I pray over my daughter every single night, Lord, would you protect her mind, her heart, and her body from evil, like I have a very serious fear of what the enemy is capable of doing and I, and I know how powerless I am in that, right? And if there's anybody that's gonna do it, I'm gonna be asking God to give that power and protect her in that way. I don't know if you have that habit with your children. If you don't, I would encourage you nightly to be praying with them and talking to them about faith issues. So I don't, what it, whatever it would be for you, right? Maybe it's just to get through 2020 and get through this Christmas year. Right? Like everybody just survive and get through 2020 and put 2020 behind us. Right? 700 years before Jesus was born, the people of God were saying very similar things. So you have the, the people of God was divided into two nations, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And so they were literally divided by very real issues that they just could not get over. Right? So if you think that America is divided, think about a civil war that happens and we literally divide between north and south or east and west, or wherever we would divide, right? They have foreign actors who are trying to build alliances with them because of a greater enemy called the Assyrians that's whooping on everybody, right? And they've just been told in prophecy that Babylon, they don't know who it is, but Babylon's about to come in and take all their women, their children, their sons and daughters, and exile them across their empire. And you can imagine at a time like that, they're asking the very real question that maybe some of you, some of us, I know I have asked before. God, are you even for us anymore? Maybe you're actually against us. Your hand is literally against us. Or have you just simply abandoned us? And so Isaiah shows up on the stage, a prophet sent by God, and he says, people of God, don't give up. Friends, don't give up. Hope is coming, right? Hope is right now on the way, and he starts to unveil this a little bit. This early Christmas present starts to unwrap it and just gives a little peek at it. And he says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. And we understand that this word in the Hebrew, Emmanuel, means God with us. And so he starts to give a little bit about his identity. And then he goes on and he says these words about the baby. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given. It's coming. There it is. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, right? We're talking king. We're talking theocracy. There's no democracy in the future kingdom, right? And he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, right? And there it is, this figure that we know and understand to be the Messiah, which means the anointed one, an anointed king that would rule his people, and these are the qualities, these are the titles, the characteristics that we, we know about him. Right? So last week we looked at, in our series, uh, The Wonderful Counselor. And we talked about Jesus is not just a wonderful counselor. He himself is a wonder. And if you have any time of having a personal relationship with him, you could probably attest to that, right? He himself is a wonder. His words are wonderful. His actions are wonderful. But we believe here at Alpine very much that as we're in the Advent season, which means the coming, that he didn't just come in the past. He's going to come again in the future. But he is inviting us to engage with him that he would come in a very real spiritual way today right? Christmas 2020. And I don't know about you, I invite that, right? Come Jesus in this year. So today we're looking at the next title, Mighty God. And this word, the words in the Hebrew are two words, El Gibor. See if it works again. No. All right. El Gibor. And what that means is God is a mighty warrior, right? It has this connotation of military power and strength, right? But it's not just talking about his brute force, his brute strength of Jesus. This is actually about his identity. In this word, in this title, what we understand that the coming hope, the coming Messiah, Jesus, is actually God himself. Right? I know that's really hard for us many today to be able to hear those words. Like, How could this helpless infant who came into the world and died and rose again, but be God himself. But that's exactly what the text says. That's exactly what this title implicates. And frankly, Jesus himself spoke those words about himself. In John 10, 30, he's talking to the multitudes, and he says this, the Father and I are one. And some of us might hear that and might think, okay, maybe he's saying like the father and I are one, like we're one in mission or one idea. You can't separate us, right? Like when my daughter's trying to work us, you know, and we're like, no, you can't step. Me and mom are one, you little terrorists. Go away. It's not like that, right? He's not saying we're one in mission, but we're one in essence. Then later on in the gospel, as Jesus is resurrected, Thomas sees him, falls before him, and exclaims, my Lord and my God. He worships Jesus as God. And in both these instances, you would think, man, if Jesus is a good prophet, if he's a holy guy, and someone is claiming for him to be God, he would deny it, right? Like what good prophet that God blesses and raises from the dead I mean, that should be a sign of vindication that God's saying, I approve this guy, right? If people are saying, you're God, you'd think he'd say, no, 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 no don't confuse. If that was not true and what not, he did not believe. I mean, the Pharisees in the John 1030, when he says, the father and I are one, they got it. They picked up stones and said they were going to stone him. And Jesus says, for what of my actions are you going to stone me? It's not your actions because of blasphemy. You, a mere man, make yourself out to be God. They understood his words. They got it. Right? Then we're able to look at the things that he did that only God can do. Right? You can see the response of the religious leaders, this group called the Pharisees, the religious leaders who were kind of the enemies of Jesus at this time because of his words and actions when he declared a man forgiven of his sins. And he says in Mark 2.7, they say, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Right? And they're absolutely right. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Only God can do here what Jesus can do. So this phrase El Gibor is not just about Jesus' power. It's about his identity. Jesus is mighty, but Jesus is God, right? I know this is difficult and there's a lot of confusion. When I talk to a lot of people about Jesus, you know, we want to say, you know, he was a good person, right? Like who wouldn't want Jesus as a friend? He'd be a good hang. You could have a party, run out of drinks. All you need is water right he's turning something into wine like that's a good friend to have right maybe at most we would say some would say a, a prophet a moral teacher but god right prostrate myself before another person because of his essence and give worship and that's exactly what he is inviting us into. There's an author that I really enjoy called C.S. Lewis. He's dead now, but uh, his books remain with us. And in one of his books, Mere Christianity, he says this, and he just nails it. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a good great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, right? Someone who thinks he is God, but is not. On the level with the man who says he is a poached egg. That kind of sounds like a fun guy to hang out with too. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Right? And if you read the Gospels, you see the actions of people. They're either against him or they're following him and worshiping him. Right. What we believe to be true about Jesus is massively significant. Right? The little baby in the manger, who was he and who is he to me not just what my church says not what my mom and dad say who is he to me even as a helpless infant isaiah is saying he was and is the mighty god who created the universe and rose from the dead amazing i don't know what you think of a baby right as we're here celebrating the coming of jesus but probably the word power is not a word you would associate Unless it's the diapers, I have a one-year-old at home, and I remember—it's funny. I remember when our first daughter was born, Ariella, and uh, we're there in Portugal, and the nurses say, "Okay, Dad, bring the baby clothes, whatever she's going to wear on." We're going to the delivery room. My wife has the baby. We're there, emotional. I'm holding her. You know, we're kind of crying, and and she's so beautiful and kind of disgusting at the moment at the same time, but we're just loving the moment, right? And finally, the nurses and the doctor takes her and they do all this stuff to make her cry and finally give her back to me and they place her under like a heating light and um, they say, okay, dad, go ahead and dress her. And I remember it took me like 10 minutes just to get her hand through the sleeve. I was so afraid her little tiny fingers would catch the sleeve and I wouldn't know and it would like bend or break them, right? Finally, the nurse is like, okay, dad, she's getting cold. Like, let's go, you know? (laughs) I was like, you do it. Power is not normally a word we would associate with a baby, right? I mean, you hold, like when you first have a child, can't even hold its head up, just like bobbles around, you know. And yet Isaiah is saying this baby in the manger 2,000 years ago is the mighty warrior God. Here we are celebrating 2,000 years ago that God himself put on human flesh-like clothes and enters into his creation, right, with a mission of love. Isn't that wild? Like if we, if we think on that, what God did for you and me, like if there's anybody who an act would be so far below him to do something for someone else, it's the perfect holy God coming into our broken world and being with us, right? Like becoming one of us. Everyone understood there was something radical about this child, right? His disciples gave their lives after he had gone. King Herod, when he came, tried killing him. Right? As he grew up, he revealed his divine power through his miracles, walking on water, turning water to wine, healing incurable diseases, literally bringing people from the dead. Like he knit them back together at a molecular level just with his words. That's a wild And yet it's one thing to know this about Jesus. It's one thing to have an intellectual knowledge of who he is. But what I find amazing, and I pray this would be my prayer for us here, is to understand that he is inviting us not just to know about his power, but to receive his power. Here in Advent 2020, that Jesus's power is available to you and me. And he wants to open our eyes to that fact. Listen to how Paul says it in Ephesians. He's talking to another church, just like us, I believe. And he says, I pray that your hearts, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, with understanding, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to us, to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You ever think about that? You are his inheritance. You are that joy that he receives. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. So Paul, I believe, talking to a church just like us, they get Jesus, they understand it, they believe it, they sing songs to him, things like that, and he's saying, church, I want you to understand, may he open your eyes that his power is accessible to you. Like, do you feel the gravity of that? How great is his power for us? Paul continues on. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also the world to come. So he qualifies this power, the same one that raised God from the dead. This isn't just like a little bit. It's not like second-class power, and off-brand, right? The Walmart brand of power. We're talking the real deal of Jesus's power for us, right? Like I said, I don't know what 2020 has been like for you, but don't you hear that? And it's like, amen. I want that. When we realize that, I believe just that understanding that God is for me with me and has given me what I need in his power that will change the way you live right like if you truly believe that how would that affect the way that you live at your job at your home right with your kids with your neighbors those people you want to know the love of Jesus what i love Uh, there's this early church father, his name's Augustine, and he coined this term that's still used today of prevenient grace, okay? And so what that means is that the grace of God is already at work ahead of us. So when I think about where is God calling me to move, he's saying, look, God's already there. His power is in us, but it's already ahead of us. So let's think about the two areas we might need this power in our lives. First off, Jesus gives us the power to press on, right? No matter what 2020's been like and no matter what 2021's gonna be like, he gives you, we have access to the power to press on. Colossians 1, 11, Paul says it this way. We also pray, struggling here, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need, right? So if you've ever felt like, man, I just barely made it here and I don't know how I'm taking another step, right? Just got past this obstacle and here comes this one, right? Paul is saying all that power to endure whatever's before you, he gives freely to us. Has anyone ever been rafting before, whitewater rafting? Anyone? Okay. And even if you haven't, if you've been just in a river with a strong current, you get this, right? And I think this is a beautiful image of what Paul is talking about here. So when you get into the river, you know, it doesn't take a lot of energy just stay afloat and go far, right? But if you try to go against the current, and if you've been whitewater rafting, if you fall out, they'll tell you, the guides will tell you, don't swim against the current. Don't try to get back to the raft. Because if you do, you will burn so much energy that there's a real danger you could drown. And so you just keep going, and when the raft catches up, you jump back in, right? Um, This one time, I was a kid. Have you ever been to the Lazy River at Lagoon, right? Okay, so in the Lazy River, they have this little lazy river. Everybody gets in tubes, those little donut tubes you put your butt in, and you just kind of ride it, you know? And I was a little kid. I didn't have a tube, but I thought, for some reason, this sounded fun. I was swimming under people and, like, coming up on the other side, okay? I I did it successfully for a five, six people. And then finally, as I went under this lady, right, I go under and the current changed somehow to where I was in sync with her above me the whole time. Okay. And so I'm trying to get out now and I can. So I turn around and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to swim back and it doesn't work. I just stay under her. And so finally I, you know, I'm like about to drown. Like, okay, someone's got to go. It's either me or her you know, don't know who she is, so (laughs) I plant my feet on the ground. I'm not lying, this happened. I plant my feet on the ground, I put my back on her butt, and I heard like a, "Mm," you know, I'm I'm hearing through the water, and I just pushed up, and she flips over. I take like three big gulps of air, and I'm back under the water swimming away as fast as I can, right? (laughs) Poor girl. I heard the lady scream like, ah! I hope she could swim, but I don't know if... You can identify with a moment of like that in your life, right? Like, there you are. You feel like you're drowning, right? You got this big butt above your head. You feel like you're drowning. You don't know what to do. <laughs> and yet God invites us, you know, here we are. I think here's, here's what I'm trying to get at. Our tendency, right, is to swim against the current, right? Like we say, I can do it on my own. I'll get this. I can accomplish this, Right? And finally, we get to the moment we're so exhausted. Then we think of reaching out to God, right? And instead, he invites us, instead of going against the current, to jump into his current and just swim with us in his, in his current of grace and power. N.T. Wright, an author that I really enjoy reading, uh, says it this way. And so it is when our weakness swims in the stream of God's almighty power. Our God is the God who gives power to the faint, right? Like he gives power to the faint, he gives strength despite in in our weakness. So I wanna encourage you. I don't know what it is, If if you have something in your mind as you think about that, what would it be, that situation, whatever it is? And I would challenge you to think about, honestly engage, what would it mean for me in this situation, this area of my life, whatever it is, to engage with God in a way that I jump into his current. Stop fighting it on my own, right? Maybe for you, you're here and things are going well. You're not in a season of, you know, difficulty. Things are going quite well. Well, maybe then the challenge of what it means that Jesus is mighty God and offering his power to you is something different. And this is what I would say for you. Maybe it's the fact that Jesus gives us the power to partner with God, right? I don't know if you've ever felt that tug of God in your heart for something that you know it's from him to partner with him, right? That provenient grace is saying God is calling you not to do it alone, but he's already there, join him in his mission. So maybe for you, that could look like being part of a ministry team at church, right? Right? impacting the generation of teens that need the gospel here and statistically we're losing them by the time we go to college right so as i hear about that that ministry opportunity for the youth man we should be flooding that with examples and leaders of people who love jesus maybe it's mentoring someone through pursuegod.org right inviting someone into a discipleship mentorship relationship maybe it's opening our lives and our homes and our hearts to our neighbors and just trying to do life with people and letting them see what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. I know for me, when I feel that tug of God, the first reaction is normally I feel inadequate. I remember when I was a youth, barely became a, a follower of Jesus, and I was feeling that desire to reach my friends at my high school. I went to Northridge High. So I started feeling that tug there. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do it, but I was like, God, I'm jumping in. And so we started like a little Christian club, and we did devotionals and like Bible studies and like served the school at the same time. That fear never went away, but what was amazing is that I was a kid, had no knowledge of what I was doing, never was mentored in my life, and God was still making an impact on people. And I never once thought, that was me, right? Right? Like it was me joining God of what he was already doing in other people. And so what would that be for you? I'm not saying to start a club or become a pastor, even though that might be part of God's plans for you. But to say, God, I am ready to join you where you're already at work. Here in my city, whether it's Brigham City or one of the areas around here, whether it's church or understanding, that person that we say, person's never going to come to faith, right? Right? person would never come to faith to understand God is already at work in that person. it's already moving. So I don't know if you have a loved one in, in your life where your heart just breaks for them to know the love of Jesus. Maybe my encouragement for you today would be accepting the fact God's already at work there. So don't give up. And don't insult the power of God to say that person could never, right? Sometimes we just need to show up and open our mouths and trust in God's mighty power in that person. Paul says it this way, love it. Ephesians 3, 20, 21, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, right? It's God's mighty power in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think or ask for. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen, right? That mighty power at work in us. He says, infinitely able to do more than we could ask for, more than you have courage to even request from him. Why? Because it's the same one that rose Jesus from the dead. That same Holy Spirit that comes and falls down on Jesus at his baptism, that flowed through all his miracles in his ministry, that raises him from the dead. He says, that spirit's now in you. So I don't need to be worried about what Logan can do. I'm just trusting in God to do what only he can do. I don't know if you hear that and you hear that call, that, that, that challenge, if there's just a part of you that says, man, I want that, right? I just want the courage to accept that. Like I live where we're living now. I'm just so desiring God. I just want to see you doing stuff around us in our community that I walk away and I was like, that was God, right? So why don't we see more of God's power at work than around us? We hear this, and probably some of us are asking, well, if this is the case, why am I not seeing it? Here's just two quick thoughts. Could it be because of a lack of courage or lack of faith, right? That because we don't expect God to move, we're not stepping out or even looking for it. And we need to be a bit more like Moses. When he's walking around, he looks to the side and notices the burning bush, right? Like, there's an intentionality that he looks and he says, There's something over here, I'm going after it. You would think it would have been obvious, a burning bush, but maybe it wasn't him. I don't know. He could have been blind. Maybe it's possible that we're chasing the wrong kind of power, right? Like, do I actually spend my time, my week, thinking about what does it look like, God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? We often live so much like against the world and kind of building our little monastery of church here, but God's, Jesus' prayer was that God's kingdom come down on earth as it is in heaven, not just in our church, like the whole earth. And so what does it look like for me to be an agent, an ambassador of God's kingdom on earth? He wants to, he's already at my work. He's just inviting me to join him in the work there, Right? This Christmas, my challenge for us and my hope would be that we don't miss the fact that the mighty God that came into the earth 2,000 years ago is still working in our earth today. And so whatever it is for you, if it is, there's that issue, that subject, that person, that difficulty in life that you're just like, Lord, I feel powerless. Would that you would be embracing Jesus in such a way that he would give you the power to endure and get past it. Not just to like survive, but to embrace abundant life despite what is happening. If you're here and you have felt God's tug, and you you just know there's that part of you that's just like joining the adventure, like jump in, that you would engage in that way this Christmas. We're celebrating that 2,000 years ago, Advent, the coming of Jesus, He's coming again, but he's inviting us to open our hearts in such a way that he comes now. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, may we see your wonder. God, we don't know what it is for each person here, but we believe in your word that says your power is available to us here and now. Not down the road, not when we get to heaven, not when we become a better Christian, here and now. If you're here, I would invite you, I wanna say this very quick prayer and I want you to finish the words on your own. In silence, Jesus, I need your power to... God, we give it over to you and we recognize there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing that we can offer the world. We just offer them you. Help us to be agents of the hope of Christmas this year and embrace you in the areas that we are utterly powerless. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you.